0: Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com, where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. Well, good morning once again, and thank you for being here with us. For those of you who may not have been here for a while, maybe you've been watching online Do you agree with me that it just feels so much better to be back in community like this? Uh, I know. I recognize that not all of us can be because some of us are more susceptible to health conditions and everything else, but I just thank you all for joining us here because it's so nice to be in community like this. And for those of you who can't be with us yet, we're excited for the day that we can all be together in this place. So recently... I don't know, we see what's happening in the news and we see everything occurring in this country and I've been thinking why Christians aren't making more of an impact in this world. Now Pastor Steve gave an excellent message last week on unity and that I believe a large problem is that Christians by and large in this country aren't united and we're not united by love. And I also believe that a major reason why we're not making the impact that we think we should be is because we're not closely following the Bible's teachings. And I don't necessarily mean sinning because that's one of those things that we might say, you know what, I'm trying not to sin, but it's just not working, I'm caught in this battle. I'm thinking of some other biblical teachings because our culture tells us that a lot of the teachings that the Bible has to offer are radical in today's day and age. But I believe that if it's stated in the Bible and we read it in the proper context, then it's not radical at all, but it's the way that we're called to be living as Christians. So we're going to dive into some of these teachings today. Now, this will be a little bit different than the way I usually preach. I like to pick one passage and work through it, but today we're going to hit a number of different points very quickly. So if there's a point you don't agree with or you don't like, Take heart because another one's coming up very quickly. <laughs> but my prayer for us today overall is for what Romans twelve two tells us. For us as Christians to not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but to let God transform us into new people by changing the way we think. Then we will learn to know what God's will is for each of us which is good, pleasing, and perfect, because God truly does have his good, pleasing, and perfect will for each of us, and we want to find out what that is. So Lord, let your presence be in this place. Speak through me, speak to all of us, including myself, because this message is for me, just as it is for everybody in this room, and help us to be united and live according to your word. So we pray this in your name, amen. So the first principle I want to talk about is that Christians are called, even though it's seen as radical in today's day and age, Christians are called to be people who are freely, re, free, freely relocating in this world, which means that we shouldn't have our roots tied to one place. We shouldn't say, this is my hometown, I'm going to stick here forever. We shouldn't say, God, it would take way too much for me to move. Even if you want me there, I'm not going to do it. Because when we look at the text, we see Jesus Christ in his hometown of Nazareth. And after he's been there for just a little while at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus tells them, he says, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and to heal them and he was amazed at their unbelief. So here's Jesus, someone who's just reaching 30 years old, he's in his hometown trying to do these signs and wonders, and the people don't believe. They say, you're just the carpenter's son. I know you, I saw you grow up, I saw you when you were 12. And it's like the people didn't believe. So what did Jesus do? He didn't stick around in Nazareth for the rest of his life, trying to keep pounding into these people, I am the Messiah. Instead, he clearly delivered the word of God to them, and then he moved on. The text tells us Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people. You know, he wasn't tied to one location, but instead he went from place to place, and it wasn't necessarily his job to make people believe what he was saying, but instead He articulated the gospel truths, and then if they accepted, wonderful. If they didn't, he moved on. But either way, sometimes as Christians, we we get caught up in trying to reach that one person over and over and over again. Or sometimes we get caught up trying to reach one group when there's so many people in this world that we are called to be reaching. Now, that doesn't mean to ever stop loving a particular person, but it does mean that some people aren't going to accept Jesus' message. And even his disciples, the text tells us that he called his 12 disciples together and he began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. So his disciples, who once worked normal jobs and lived in regular places, are now being sent out two by two to declare his message to the world. Now, this isn't saying that all of us are called to be missionaries. And all of us are called to go to distant lands. But this is saying that if God is putting an urge in your heart that you're in the wrong place or you need to be going somewhere, don't just say, that's too radical of a move, God. I'm going to stay here with my family. I'm going to stay here where I'm comfortable. Because we have this whole entire world. I can't believe that everyone in this room will be called in New Stanton forever, or everybody will be called and hunker forever because God, as we're faithful, he wants to use our gifts all across this world. But when we think of moving and being able to freely relocate like this, it brings up another radical principle. That as Christians, we're called to be releasing power at certain points of our lives. Now, when we look at Jesus' disciples, we see... As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. You know, fishing was a pretty good career back then. It was tough work, but you earned a relatively decent living Everything was fairly respected and comfortable, but yet they gave away all of that power when Jesus said, come follow me. They left their nets and boats and went and followed Jesus. When we look at more of his disciples, it says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, to be a tax collector back then, even though they weren't seen as the most favorable people, they had a lot of power. So for Levi to just leave his tax collecting booth and start following Jesus was something remarkable in that he released his power and said, God, if you want to bring this power back to me, if you want me to be in this position, okay, but even if you don't bring this power back, I'm still going to serve you. I think some of us hold on too tightly to power in this world because we think, Lord, I've worked all of these years to get to this place. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to keep this power. Because if we want to talk about someone truly remarkable, we think of John the Baptist. Jesus said of him, truly I tell you, among those born of woman, there has not been anyone greater than John the Baptist. And you know what his famous saying is? Besides, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. John the Baptist's famous saying was, he must become greater and I must become less. Now, if we would have that attitude in all of our dealings, where we think that we must exalt the name of God and humble ourselves, how different this world would look. Now, I mean, it can be tough to release power. But the thing is, we're releasing power to the King of King and Lord of Lords. We're releasing power to the one who loves us more than we would ever think or imagine. So we're releasing power to the one who can even bring the power back to us if he sees fit. So we're called to release power as Christians. And as part of this, when we release power, sometimes we may suffer And it is seen as radical for Christians these days to be gladly suffering. I don't know about you, but this includes myself, but we are a people that really want to get our own way in life. It seems like when things don't go our way, it's very easy for us to complain and be loud about it, especially with social media these days. If we have bad service at a restaurant, we make a post about it. You know, it's like if we suffer in any way, we want other people to know about it. But I love what Paul says about being content in this life. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul is content in all ways because of the love of God and because of how God strengthens him. And that's how I want us to be as a people, content no matter what's happening in our lives because we know that Jesus Christ is still on the throne. We know that he loves us and nothing can hinder that love. And we think, God, I'm good at being content. You know, this isn't something I need to be hearing, but can we be content with whoever ends up winning this election? You know, can we be content in this area? can we still honor that person? Can we still pray for that person and submit to their leadership And as long as it does not contradict with our Christian values? Can we be content? Or in a more radical example, could we be content if somewhere down the line we lose some of our amendment rights as American citizens? Can we be content if the way of life in America isn't what it used to be? Can we be content knowing that we're still following the way, the truth, and the life? You know, if our rights are ever taken away, can we think that Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Instead, be afraid of the one who can kill both the body and the soul by sending it into hell. You know, when we think of the end of Jesus' life, we think how he freely gave himself up. Because he knew that God had different plans for him. Even when he could have sent down thousands of armies to protect him. And we think how he had an illegal trial. Something that we take as a right in this country. But Jesus Christ was not given a fair trial. It was fully illegal and he was sentenced to death. Can we be content in our situations? Because... This country tells us that we're guaranteed life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're guaranteed happiness. I wish that we would be, and I love this country, I love this land that we live in, that we have the freedom to meet like this, and that so many people have paved the way for us. But there are going to be times in this Christian life where we don't have this feeling of happiness. Sure, we should have joy in the Lord in all ways. That's a fruit of the Spirit, but that doesn't mean we're necessarily going to be happy. Because when we look at what Jesus says, he tells us that the world will hate us at times. He says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. And then he tells us the world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Our citizenship is not of this earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. And I know that we want to have as great of a land as we can possibly live in, but we should gladly accept suffering at times because when this world gets darker and darker, the light of Jesus Christ can shine brighter and brighter. Sometimes when our living conditions are difficult, Jesus Christ can be exalted even higher than ever before. I think that sometimes we just try and feel too comfortable in the rights that we have here. And this all makes a lot more sense with this next radical fact in that we should be people who have the Bible mastered. Now, this doesn't mean memorize every single little detail. I'm not saying that. But to master the Bible means understanding the heart of God and why he's writing. You know, understanding how it works is a full book, Old Testament and New Testament. Understanding that many of the letters in the New Testament are written to specific people groups at specific times in history. You know, if we look at that last passage, we can understand how much the context of the Bible comes into play because if we just look at that verse, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. My first thought is, I can finish a 5K I'm going to run in. I think you know what, I can get up here and preach this sermon because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Or I think I can be victorious in all ways. But then when we look at the passage and see that we can be content in every situation through him who gives us strength, that completely alters the way that we see this world. Instead of thinking of victory and being able to finish things off, we think that no matter what happens, I can be content because I am following our Lord. But it's difficult to do, because it takes time to look into the Bible and to establish and see the heart of God. But one thing that this quarantine time has showed me is just how many good pastors are out there. You know, it's easier than ever to click onto the internet and see different pastors preaching. Any Michael Todd fans here? Any Steve Bain fans here? (laughs) Any Andy Stanley or Francis Chan? Yeah. But here's the thing. If we are only hearing the Bible from one source, from one speaker, we're going to start end up understanding the Bible as they read it, which Most pastors in today's day and age are fairly good. They're held accountable, and they're preaching the word correctly. However, God doesn't want us just hearing his word from a specific person only. If I only listened to Michael Todd and never read my Bible, I would see God's word so much differently than someone who only listened to Francis Chan and never read his Bible— You see, God calls us to take responsibility ourselves. Because back in the early church, there were people actually following different leaders. Some would say, I follow Paul. Some would say, I follow Apollos. Others, Cephas. Others would say, I follow Christ. And there was division among them because of this. But what God wants for us is the example that Jesus set, where Jesus would go out very early in the morning while it was still dark, He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he played. You see, Jesus got up early to pray. He spent considerable amount of time with God because when we read the scripture and end up having it mastered, we understand what God's heart is for us. But if we let someone else do it all the time, then we're not going to understand how God specifically wants to speak to us. So I encourage you, listen to as many sermons as possible because it's good to hear as much of God's word as we can, but don't let it become too much. Don't let that be your only source because God wants to speak to each of us individually. So I think it's time, that was a lot. Let's take a quick little break. Let me show you one thing that I've really had my eye on lately. I really, really wanted one of these so badly. I used to have a small little motorcycle that I'd take on the road and it was a lot of fun and I used to race BMX so I'm fairly good at two wheels so this is something that I'd really, really, really want but they're kind of expensive so if anybody ever wants to donate one feel free. (laughs) But as we move to the next topic we see that it comes at a horrible time because the next topic tells us As Christians, we should be limiting possessions. But I thank God, my heart has been for one of these lately. I would want nothing more than to be cruising down the road on that thing, enjoying a Sunday afternoon. And it might sound radical to limit possessions as Christians, but that's not what the Bible tells us. You see, when we look to money, we see that it's a resource that God entrusts us with, it's something that He owns. And he wants us to use responsibly for his kingdom. But all too often we use it for our own wants and desires. We think if I just give my 10%, then I can do whatever I want with the rest of it. Which we can. We're entitled to. I could go by that and I don't necessarily think God would be mad at me. However, when one sinner repents, heaven erupts. Heaven is so happy when another person is added. But if I would go out and buy that motorcycle, there would be crickets in heaven. You know, it wouldn't be something that God would cheer about or get excited about. You see, where God's heart is, is for all people to come to repentance. He wants all people to be saved. And when we look at the way we're spending our money, we should be using it to bring other people into God's love rather than for our own desires. You know, as Christians, one of the best witnesses we can do is to live a very simple life where we rely on God in a lot of ways instead of our own wealth. And there's so many passages in the Bible where Jesus say it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Because when we're rich, when we have all of this wealth, it's so easy to start using it on things instead of people. It's so easy to start using it to keep up with others and to look good in society and to have all these comforts instead of helping other people understand God's love through them. And if you don't want to take my word for it, take John Wesley, who's the founder of this denomination. He tells us, earn all you can Save all you can and give all you can. You know, earn all you can responsibly, not cutting others down, but earn it. Then save as much as you can by living a modest lifestyle and then give all you can to help others. To further expand on this quote, he says, save all you can by cutting off every expense which serves only to indulge foolish desire to gratify either the desire of the flesh the desire of the eye, or the pride of life. Waste nothing on sin or folly, whether for yourself or your children, and then give all you can, or in other words, give all that you have to God. You see, as Christians, it's not a radical thing to limit our possessions. It's something that honors God as we can love other people through it. And as we kind of expand on limiting possessions, we see that as Christians it's not a radical thing to never retire. This country teaches us that if we can make it to 60 or 65, then get out and enjoy the rest of your life because you worked hard. And I'm not saying that we should keep our same stringent occupation the whole way into our 80s or 90s if we lived that long. Because there's biblical evidence of the priest retiring And at some point, we just can't perform the functions that we used to. However, we're never called to just sit around and enjoy the end of our life. Because at a moment's notice, this world could end. We don't know when our time is coming to an end. And I, for one, don't want to be sitting at the throne before Jesus and Him saying, Well, what did you do with the last 20 years of your life? Well, God, I was relaxing, I worked hard. You know, the Bible tells us, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where things can destroy it, where thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know, personally, and I think this could be a little radical, but I don't think we're called to have huge, ginormous savings accounts. I don't think we're called to it because that is a treasure on earth when we save too much money for retirement to live very comfortably. Because think, even if we have a retirement that's absolutely perfect on a beach in the most wonderful places on this earth, that's going to be nothing compared to what heaven will be like for us. Because we know that on this earth, even when we think we have the most incredible things, after a while they end up becoming normal and they end up being something that we don't really desire that much. So what I'm here to say is, you know, if we are retired and we have the money, then we should still be working hard for the Lord. We should still be at the church serving. We should be talking to our neighbors, maybe making food for shut-ins. We should be doing anything we can to keep serving the Lord until we die. Because there's going to be no contest for the person who aged the best or looks the prettiest when we get into heaven We should get into heaven battered and torn with teeth missing because we gave this earth every single thing we have. You know, we're called not to worry about our life, what we'll eat or drink, or about our body, what we'll wear, because I wanna tell you, I've worked now for a number of months in some really nice nursing facilities, some very nice places where people go to retire, but I have not seen anyone as joyful is some of the retirement, nursing, assisted living facilities that we saw down in Jamaica. Those people had nothing at all. They were on rusted beds with very, very thin mattresses. They didn't have the care that should have been required, but yet they were singing the praises of God. They recognized that they were close to the kingdom of heaven. They didn't care that it was 100 degrees and not air-conditioned. They were just happy that they fought the good fight and made it through this life. And I think that as Christians, it shouldn't be a radical thing to never retire because we're called to work hard all the days of our life. And finally, as Christians, we're called sometimes to costly loving because as Jesus showed us, when we love other people, it's not always something that's received well. And I'm not talking about by the person we're loving, but by the people who are watching us do this loving. Jesus, in his word, the Pharisees said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does your teacher eat with these tax collectors who try and get money out of people? And the sinners here, it's most likely referring to prostitutes because they were the after-dinner entertainment. And they're saying, why does your teacher eat with them? Well, from what I read in the Bible, there was a tax collector that was a disciple. And there's reason to mention that one of the people who first came to uncover Jesus in the tomb could have been a former prostitute Jesus didn't care what people thought about him, he loved those people. And the word also tells us, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said, will you give me a drink? So Jesus was identifying with this despised race. Because the Samaritans were a mixed race people, Many people went around Samaria to avoid them, but Jesus met with this woman and showed her love. Even though she had had many husbands, even though she was living a sinful life, even though people would have condemned Jesus for this, he met with her. And then she ended up spreading God's word all across her town throughout the rest of her life. Or what about when Jesus confronts everyone about to stone the adulterous woman? You know, these were powerful men about to stone this woman. For Jesus to step in front and say, go ahead, if you're free from sin, he wouldn't have been making many friends in this situation. The people would have been mad at him. They wanted to make an example out of this woman. But instead he said, no, I love this woman and we're called to love each other. And finally, Jesus went in the trenches He reached out his hand and touched people with leprosy and said, be clean, even though they were unclean, even though he could not be made unclean as he was the Lord, he went and touched these people who were suffering. Now in our lives, we're going to have a lot of people that we need to love, that other people are going to say, don't you love that person, don't do it. And we're going to be looked down on and even pushed out of different situations because of our love for other people. But as Christians, we are called to be united in love. We're called to offer love to anybody, no matter the cost, no matter what people might think about it, because we are his witnesses on this earth. And if somebody ever condemns you for loving another person, then know that it's not from Christ. It's not from God. Because I'm here to say if Jesus Christ were on this earth right now, he wouldn't be spending his time with me. He wouldn't be trying to show me his love. He'd be trying to show love to the people who don't know their identity. He'd be trying to show love to people who have been pushed down for generations. He'd be trying to show love to the forgotten, the abandoned, and the abused. He wouldn't be hanging out with us church people. And I think that we need to be doing the same things. We need to be showing love to those people, even when it's not the popular thing to do. Because God's heart for this world is for other people above all else. God's heart is for other people. Now I was fortunate enough last week as we closed to be able to go on a little time away with some of Kelsey's family. And there was one day where Kelsey and I were going to go get some ice cream because they don't have these ice cream places up here. You know, if anyone else knows this ice cream, I love it. And as we were walking there, it was about three blocks away, I made the quick comment and I said, you know, if we see someone begging, you know, we're not going to be able to get ice cream. Just kind of as a joke because it was the good area and we didn't see anyone begging the whole week. So as we cut across this one street... I hear a quick little, can you help me? And we keep walking, go around the corner, and then I stop and I say, did you hear anything? And Kelsey said, no. So I thought about going to get ice cream. But then we turn back around the corner, and we see these two individuals sitting on the ground, and they say, can you help at all? And I say, you know what, you guys are worth so much more than ice cream. Here's all the money I have. It was only $11. It was nothing special. But they actually said, no, no, go get your ice cream. Like, go have fun. But then we talked to them some more and said, no, like, we feel like we're here to serve you. We feel like God wants us to give you this small little blessing. And then I asked them, you know, when I get back home, how can I pray for you guys? The one guy said, pray for my health. And the other guy said, pray for peace. And then they said, but can you pray for us right now? So we prayed together in that moment. I got to pray a little bit about Jesus' message. And then when the prayer ended, there's two grown men were fighting back tears. You know, there's two grown men who were sitting there, even if they made some bad choices in their life prior to that, they were just looking for something. And because of God's direction, they were able to feel a little bit of his love. And as his people, we can't see any of this as radical because this isn't radical living, this is kingdom living. As Christians, we're called to all of these things and more because this life is not about us, it's not about our rights, it's not about being comfortable, but this life on earth is about bringing the gospel to as many people as we can and then we can rest when we get to heaven. So Lord, as a church right now, empower us. Take away any of our pride. Take away anything that we're suffering right now and let us use all of it for your name. Lord, if we've been distracted by anything in this message, if there's been anything that we think, I can't give that up, let us recognize that you gave up everything for us when you died on that cross. And you showed your power by rising from that grave three days later. And you showed that nothing can separate us from your love. And we are called to live as your disciples in that way, Lord, where nothing can separate us from your love. So use us as a church as we all stand in this song with arms lifted. Use us as a church to bring your name and your glory to all nations. And as a church, we pray this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com. Follow the Get Involved tab and RSVP to our next meet and greet.